Previously on Funny Science Fiction. They brought me out to read the script in a room where all this Star Wars stuff was happening around me and there was a life-size Ahsoka figure just standing over me with a lightsaber. And I was like, how am I supposed to concentrate? <laughs> Hello, it's Colonel Roy Campbell here from Metal Gear Solid, also known as Paul Eiding. Welcome to the Funny Science Fiction Podcast. The podcast that made you realize that Skynet already exists no matter how many times you delete that post. So our guest today is a man of many talents, whether on camera, on stage, or breathing life into characters as a voice actor behind a microphone. Paul Eiding has been providing us with awesome entertainment for years. Welcome to the poll. <laughs> Hi. I, I am so glad this is being recorded. Welcome to the show, Paul. I'm happy to be here, whatever this is. Uh <laughs> Yeah. The, the pulse of the, the show. I'm happy to be. Yeah, we'll go ahead and leave I, I that whole part in because that's actually kind of funny. Um, welcome to the Paul yeah. show. Yeah, welcome to the show, Paul. I'll get it right sooner or later. You think we're professionals? Hey, no, we're, we're not. Together, right? We are so not. Uh, so, Paul, a, a couple of your more recognizable characters are, of course, are, are Max Tennyson and Ben Ten. Uh, Colonel Roy Campbell in Metal Gear Solid, Perceptor in Transformers movie. Uh, one of my personal favorites is Reflux and Incredible uh, Reflux and Incredibles Two. Um, not just because I have acid reflux, uh, but <laughs> <laughs> what our listeners may not know is that you sang, played bass, and directed in the Third Infantry Division Glee Club while you were in, stationed in Germany. If I'm having That's all right. that, if I have all that information correct, so I have to ask you. How much of your military experience influenced how you voiced Colonel Campbell? And what's the best show that you guys put on while you were directing the Glee Club? Oh, wow. I don't know how it, it influenced uh, Colonel Campbell because I, I was only a sergeant. So I never made, uh, made Colonel. But I was uh, the director of the group. Uh, and we, we had to play the military game. We had to look and sound um, really straight up military, tough guys. But a lot of our guys were uh, either had been actors or were drafted or singers that had been drafted. And some crazy ones like myself who joined um, and were musicians or whatever. But this is, this is during a real rough time for uh, Lear at War. Okay. Uh, well, and it was up to me to make sure the guys not only knew their music, because uh, I could I talk music as well, sang well, played the military game, because if, how do I put this nicely? They could have been rotated out of the group and sent to Vietnam. Sure. Um, so, it, so it was tough. So, mm -hmm. uh, but as far as the voice, not really. My time in the military and the Glee Club, it's interesting you, you, you bring up the Glee Club because just last week, I got contacted by a young man who is doing um, uh, kind of a, uh, he's putting together a video for the guy who was the, the director of the group before I got in. I got in as a singer and a bass player. And within six months, uh, as a young man, I was—I don't even think I was twenty yet. I ended up becoming the director of the group. 
but the man who preceded me uh, was a professional actor. He went, he got out of the service, went back and played. Uh, he was on Broadway, did several shows from Hair to um, Hello Dolly. And he's also the man who gave me my name. My name, my real name is not Paul. Okay. Um, dumping out some real information here. <laughs> I don't think I've ever, I don't think this is on any interview, but I'm Ooh. coming clean. All right. We love, we love it. Getting spoilers. My real name, my real name is Otis Errol Eiding. Too many vowels for a young man, <laughs> a young boy. Um, and I never really was crazy about my name. When I auditioned for the Glee Club, the gentleman who was directing, his name was Chapman Roberts. Um, Chapman said, don't tell me names. I'm guessing names today. You look like a Paul. And I said, cool. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm down. One less vowel. Let's go. <laughs> and that's exactly how I became Paul. And being around other actors and musicians pretty much uh, influenced me to become an actor. Because I started playing with guys who were really, really musically, um, instrumentally, much better than I was. Uh, and another actor by the name of John Hancock, it was actually his name, John Hancock, was a very large African-American gentleman who was in the original cast of Roots and okay. did a lot of uh, TV shows. We would go and do performances. We'd come back. And after a performance, you can't go to bed. You're still high from the uh, So from the true. <laughs> yeah. So we would improv and then we would replace. And I remember the night we read Zoo Story, which is a two-character play. And John, who was a very large man, who spoke like that, played one character. I played the other. And after we were finished, he said, Paul, this is what you should be doing. You're an actor. It's like, oh. So I got out. And I still played for a while. But uh, basically, it's because of my time in the military that I made the thrust to become an actor. Oh, wow. OK. That's awesome. So thanks for asking. <laughs> That is such no, a cool story. Like I love stories. That's awesome. So you mentioned that that was how you got into acting. So did you give up playing at that point, or do you still play bass? I, I still played. Um, the last time I played, uh, our kids went to a small, very small little school that we helped build. Mm -hmm. And we had what they called the dad's band. So for fundraisers, the dads would get together. We had a couple of guys who were really fine guitarists. And I played bass. We had a, you know guys who would play drums and keyboards. So we would perform that sort of thing. I still have my ukuleles. Um, I fiddle around with, but I don't play the bass anymore. My husband uh, I, plays electric bass. And that was one of the questions he's like, I need to know if he still plays. No, I, yeah, I, I keep threatening, but no. Eh. <laughs> I, I started playing with guys. Um, I played with a guy by the name of Phil Upchurch. Phil Upchurch was a rhythm and blues and jazz guitarist. Played with George Benson. He's got probably 25 albums. And Phil 
was very kind to me. I've seen him really destroy guys, drummers and whatnot, who just weren't up to snuff. Because this dude was really top-notch pro. And he was very kind. He, he never gave me a hard time. But that's when I realized, when I was playing with people like that, I realized that I was trained classically. I can read charts. I was trained upright bass. Uh -huh. And uh, then moved to electric. But I never really had the ears for jazz. I just couldn't hear the changes coming. Mm -hmm. Write them out and I'm there, but I just didn't hear the changes. R&B, I'm, I'm okay with rock, but no, I'd, I'd embarrass myself. And there are too many other really wonderful players out there. So I'll be an actor. There you go. <laughs> That's well, a good yeah, I mean, so For that guy having to play with George Benson, he would have had to have kept up. George Benson is no slouch with a guitar. Well, uh, there are a couple of albums. If you look, you'll see Philip George Benson's albums. You'll see Phil's name on it more than George's. Okay. Because he also did some of the arrangements. George oh. would also do a song of his, and he'd play rhythm, and also he'd play bass. Wow. Uh, Philip Upchurch. He's really aces. Excellent. Oh, what was the other question? It was a two-parter. I'd asked if you still played, but do you have any favorite pieces or favorite composers? Oh, wow. And I mean, being trained classically, then there's so many more composers that you know. Yeah, there, there, there are too many to choose from. My gosh. I agree. Um, although I, I was in the car. Yeah, I was complaining to my daughter that I was uh, in the car and I was on the Sirius uh, XM. I went to the classical station and all day long they're playing Mahler. And I can take Mahler up certainly at the time. But then it's like, <laughs> uncle, uncle, give me a break. Right. Um, <laughs> Something else. <laughs> you know. Of course, there's this is old school, but you know Miles Davis, and uh, nothing wrong know, with Miles Davis. You know, it's like a friend of mine did a, a documentary. They did one on uh, PBS, a great documentary about Miles Davis, and I listened to the voice of the, of the guy who was doing Miles's voice. I said, I know this voice, but it's <laughs> and it's it's the man who was my our uh, best man at our wedding. An actor by the name of Carl Lumley. Oh, cool. Who's also, who's also a great actor. And I didn't know it was, he did it until I saw the credits. And I contacted him and said, dude, that was a great Miles. It's like, huh. All he does is just makes his voice really, you know, kind of very raspy. Anyway, I'm rambling. No, that's totally fine. We like rambling. Rambling is good. Oh, rambling okay. stories, are, and I've said this before in other interviews, typically I'm the one who's doing the rambling. So it's always really nice to hear it from somebody else because usually when it comes from somebody else, it actually has some details or some level of information that's entertaining. So, no, well <laughs> done on you for having some informational rambling. So, cool. <laughs> and actually, I have actually seen that PBS documentary about Miles Davis, and that was amazing. It was very yeah. well done. Very. Blew me away. Um, yeah, and Carl, he's also a wonderful actor. Did, did you guys see um, uh, oh, uh, uh, Winter Soldier? Yes. The series? Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, uh, the the dude who played the old, uh, the black dude who uh, the had old been. Super Soldier? Yeah. Yeah. That's Carl. Really? Oh! That's Carl, and he's the guy who did the voice of uh, of Miles. Oh, amazing. And he's been around. Actually, Carl Lumley was the first um, African-American to play a superhero. 
He oh, played oh. on Fox when Fox was new. Uh, he played on network TV. He played um, Mantis. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't last very long. It wasn't a great show, but Carl's always good. No, that, yeah, that, that's not that's not the point. That's more interesting that he was he was Mantis. That's excellent. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Back in the day. So, looking through your list of voices, I was hit with massive amounts of nostalgia um, of a lot of shows that I had enjoyed that you know provided me with such adventure and wonder, such as uh, Adventures in Dinosaur City, where you played the voice of the king, uh, Vern from Treasure Planet. Uh, you did a variety of voices in an episode of Darkwing Duck, uh, Pirates of Dark Water. Uh, you also did Abigail's father in Once Upon a Time, Dr. Enzyme. Abigail! <laughs> Abigail! Glad <laughs> you stopped climbing trees. Right? Uh, Dr. Enzyme and SWAT Cats. And so, like, when you were young, like, what were some of your inspirations of adventure and wonder um, that kind of helped you go towards being a voice actor? Oh, wow. Well, yeah, I was raised on Looney Tunes, you know. Sure. Um, all the in Chuck Jones stuff. Uh, Dawes Butler blew me away. When I first moved out here and started working at doing things at Hanna-Barbera, um, when I got to sit in the room, with Dawes Butler and all these folks that I listened to and Paul Winchell. Paul Winchell, who was, um, uh, oh, God, who was he? Winnie the Pooh, uh, Tigger. Oh, yeah. Okay. When I, was, when I was very young, I was listening to these guys. And when I came out here um, and got the chance to work at Hanna-Barbera with these monsters, it's like, Number one, I was in awe. Number two, it was kind of, I got to really, you know, raise my game here. I'm, I'm working with my heroes. Um, so Dolls Butler, who could do anything, and in his mid to late 70s, I'm not, I think it was mid-70s, he was still doing Elroy mm -hmm. from the Jetsons. It's like, how do you do that? Um, so they were the guys, those are one, the ones that really blew me away. Um, and the voiceover stuff, I never thought about being, uh, to be straight up honest with you, I never thought about being a voice actor. You know, it, I'm, I'm an actor. Mm -hmm. For me, it was all stage. I started out on stage in, the, in, uh, in Ohio and then on to Minnesota doing theater mm -hmm. and uh, doing musicals and all that kind of thing. And so the voiceover thing, it wasn't something that I thought about when I was younger. Uh, I guess I was always doing silly voices. I don't remember. But it wasn't like, oh, this is what I want to do with my, uh, with my life. Mm -hmm. When I was a young person, all I knew was that I had no idea what I wanted to do, for sure. Music was number one in my, as I got older. Um, but the big thing was I knew I couldn't work a nine to five job, whatever it was. I knew I couldn't do the same thing every day. It just wasn't, uh, who I was as a human being. <laughs> um, 
my brother, my family, cool. And God bless anybody who can do it. For me, I just, um, I knew I, I just couldn't handle that. I would go crazy. <laughs> so when I did have a straight job for a short time after the military, I look back on it now and I was acting all the time I was there doing this straight job. I was acting like someone who was doing that job. Does that make any sense at all? It totally it does. does. I know yeah. that feeling. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. I know that feeling so much. <laughs> yeah, it's not who I am, but I can play that role for a limited time. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> yeah. I put on my costume at the beginning of the day. I go to work. I come home. The costume is gone. I am no longer the person who works in an office. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so um, when I, I, I came out to the L.A., after doing theater for 10 years, well, I did stuff in, in Ohio, music, and then theater we called, you know, it was community theater, nothing for pay. Moved to Minnesota, did improv for a couple of years, like Second City Improv or sure. a UCB, mm -hmm. and loved it, making $100 a week. Uh, writing material, performing, cleaning the bathrooms, uh, washing the floors, selling tickets, you know, all that stuff. Um, and then started doing uh, doing theater, did that for 10 years, did some voiceover work there um, to supplement your $100 a week, and doing commercials. I did a lot of commercials, sure, um, both on camera and, and uh, voiceover. And I guess that's when the voiceover stuff seemed like, oh, this is a viable way of making a living. Um, so it wasn't until I moved out here and I got the voiceover. I really hooked up with voiceover here because of a play I did. I did a play called Cloud Nine, where I played an African manservant with no makeup, in, intentional, um, a, a Cockney soldier, and a five-year-old girl. The most unattractive child ever in the history of man. Um, and someone from Hanna-Barbera, Gordon Hunt, who was the casting director, saw the show and thought he saw something in me. That's some versatility. Called me in for a general audition. And then I started uh, booking things. And that's when everything really started hitting. Um, and I realized that, hey, you can make a living with just your voice. Right. And I have a good face for voiceover work. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, Paul, just, just joke. random question for you that just kind of popped in my head. Did you have a beard then when you did this play? No. Oh, okay. I was going to say that would be an even worse five-year-old daughter, <laughs> little girl. Oh, yeah, very, I had very I had bearded. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's like uh, a picture with this little girl, full on beard, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. All right. Well, anyway. Anywho, um, so one of the things that I, I noticed in your, uh, as I was looking over your IMDb list, which I'm always impressed by with you voice actors, is, is the the amount of stuff that you guys get connected with, and and the opportunities that you have to be involved in different universes uh, that people get to act in. But one of the things I noticed is that you've been fortunate to have several recurring roles that you voice over and have done for an extended period of time. 
whether it's Pa Kent and the Superman animated series, the Death of Supermans, and, and those things. Of course, Max Tennyson and all the Ben Ten stuff. Uh, you know, the, you, the Colonel Campbell and and, and uh, Mel Gear. <laughs> exactly. I see it. Yeah. yeah. The shirt. Yeah, Max's yeah. shirt. I saw that. I, I was going to ask if that's what that was. If it looked like it. Yeah, I did a, a con in um, in New Zealand, and the uh, cosplay uh, folks came to me and said, "If we made you a Ben Ten shirt, would you wear it while you're signing for the kids?" And I said, "Duh, absolutely." Oh, cool. So they made that for me, and the reason it's there is because when we're done here, I've got to do a couple of cameos. And one for uh, uh, a young man who uh, it's his it's it's his birthday in a few days, and they wanted a, a shout out from uh, Grandpa Max. Oh, how cool! And then I've got to do one. I also have to do one for from uh, uh, Colonel, Colonel Campbell. So I think back there is also. So I, I always wear the beret for. Colonel yeah, I see the beret back like, there. Yeah. It's okay. Like, so cool. Why not? Absolutely. Yeah, I've been very lucky that way. Yeah. So what does it mean to you personally and professionally to be included in these projects over the years where you were the repeat projects? Oh my gosh. Uh, chance to develop a character, to let it grow, um, to see where it goes. Uh, I absolutely loved doing Ben 10. Uh, we had a great cast. Yeah. All of the casts because we did several incarnations. Um, just great people to work with, the producers mm -hmm. and, the, and the writers. Um, and to be able to play a character over an extended period of time, it's like, just like doing episodic TV. Right. You, you, you get a chance to do that and they develop your character. Uh, and they did with, with Grandpa Max. Mm -hmm. um, so, oh, God, I, I love that. Even yeah. when I... And when I did the GoBots, uh, but no, <laughs> um, which were like the knockoff from the Transformers. Transformers. Mm -hmm. I had I had yeah. GoBots toys growing up. <laughs> I was Scorp. Oh, okay. He's a a sidekick of the bad guy. Yeah, it was a very cool toy, by the way. Mm -hmm. Went from a scorpion into a uh, an airplane. Not a nice guy, but cool. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and, uh, you know, same time you get a chance to do something for an extended period of time. And Pa Kent, I'm really happy about, hey, I'm Superman's dad. Absolutely. Like, Why not? Yeah. You know, one of the things I was talking to my son earlier today, and I was telling him that I, we were going to be talking with you. And he's like, he's like, he's like, what does Paul Eiding do? And I said, well, yeah. <laughs> well, and I said, uh, and, and the, the thing that I didn't even think to tell him that you were Max Tennyson. And Ben 10, because growing up, he was a huge Ben 10 fan. I mean, like we had the, the, you know, the, the action figures and he had Matt, you know, had Ben 10 shirts and the whole nine yards. Um, cool. So I forgot to tell him that you were in Ben 10. I was like, oh yeah, he was, that he was in Metal Gear Solid, at, you know, as, as Colonel Campbell. He's like, oh, okay. Yeah I, yeah. I know who that is. Cause he's played all the games and, you know, he thought they were really cool. And, um, I forgot to tell him that. I'll have to tell him later. So. And it was fun for me going through your IMDb and being like, oh, I know that character, and I know that character, and I know that character. And then I got to your video game characters, and I'm like, oh, I killed that one, and that one, and that one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I need to apologize to him for the number of his characters I've killed. 
I hear that a lot. <laughs> a little bit of a killing spree. Sorry about that. Well, People. I mean, like, especially when I got to, like, your Skyrim chunk, and I'm like, he's Gilmar's phone. <laughs> oh, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh. Yeah. You, have you seen any of the, uh, the Skyrim, uh, uh, what are they, the prank calls? No. No. Oh, you got to go to uh, to uh, YouTube. They're, and it's called Septimus. I think it's Septimus prank called. And what they do is take Septimus Cygnus, who is, oh, do you know the Elder Scrolls? It's just a book. I'm the toy. I remember the lines, but mm -hmm. what they did was they take, they put them in a sampler, and whoever is doing it is really good, and they call libraries. <laughs> and, oh, no. Oh, no. And my voice comes on and says, "You, you have the, you know the." <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, and they said, "What?" And he says, yeah, "Exactly." <laughs> oh my word! And again, again, um, and when they say no, we don't. And my voice comes on and says, "My master told me that whatever." <laughs> and then he says, "No, I'm sorry, we don't." And then he says, "What is it?" And my voice comes and says, it's just a book. <laughs> and they, somebody did the same thing with, um, oh, with, uh, oh, God, what is it? With Fallout 4. Mm -hmm. oh, okay. Uh, because I'm the, um, good morning, Baltech calling. Um, nice. And they did, they called businesses. And the guy says, hello. And he says, good morning, Baltech calling. He said, Okay, what can I do for you? He said, oh, I don't, I'm not selling anything, sir. This is all about you. And it goes, <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, they, they do it, and they call back again and again. Finally, you hear this guy say, please stop calling. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh I know what rabbit hole I'll be going down yes, on YouTube after this. It's yeah. going to happen. Oh, my word. So, and so Go ahead. No, no. I, I'm going to go into my next question, else? but you've got more. Well, they did. There's also on YouTube this whole thing, a series of what they've done is they've taken Colonel Campbell, and I think what they've done, and these are long, like 25 minute pieces, several of them, and they've put him in situations and changed the words. It's all my words, and it's called Paul Lighting is being a dick. No. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, goodness. <laughs> and, and I, and you got to laugh. It's, it's, I just love them. Uh, Anybody who takes that, but number one, they've got too much time on their hand. Right. Uh, but they're hilarious. But you know, uh, my world has been made so much better by people who have too much time on their hands. I applaud them. I applaud them. Yeah. So in looking through your IMDb, uh, you appeared in an episode of Star Trek Next Generation. You've done a fair amount of voice work for Star Trek and Star Wars video games, in addition to being Perceptor on Transformers. So in all of those franchises, there tends to be a lot of techno babble. Oh. <laughs> so how were you able to make some of that dialogue flow so easily? Was there anything earlier in your, your stage and screen work that made it easier? Um, two things. Practice. <laughs> Practice. No, I, see. I got four things. Practice. And the fourth thing was I started out when I was in uh, uh, in in Minneapolis. Uh, 
one of the guys who worked at the at, at the theater, well, the it, the improv theater. It's called the Brave New Work. It was called Dudley Riggs Brave New Workshop. Okay. Dudley Rig Dudley Riggs was a, his actual name. He was a, he just passed passed away uh, a couple of months ago. Dudley had been a uh, a trapeze artist. He was a catcher. And then okay. got hurt and became a clown. He was a clown with the circus for many years and then ran away from the circus and started a um, a coffee house slash improv place. Well, one of the guys who worked there for his straight job, he was a writer. He wrote for uh, 3M and for a company called Control Data. Uh, I don't even know if they're still around, but the computer company. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so to make extra money, we would audition and get hired to do technical um, readings for them. So there was a lot of that kind of technical okay. babble that I had to get, get through. Words that I never understood. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so that helped. But other than that, it's just, uh, practice, practice, practice. You know, going over it, trying to understand what you're what you're saying, um, and if it's not on the page, making it up in your head so it does make sense to you. Okay. Um, even if it even if it's not the real thing, uh, as long as it makes sense to you, hopefully it'll make sense to someone else. <laughs> so that's that's basically it. So fake it till you make it. That is my new motto for life. Yeah. Hopefully, if it makes sense to you, it'll make sense to somebody else. <laughs> Please, God. <laughs> now, my time on, on Star Trek, the, the next generation, mm -hmm. I didn't have to worry about that on that one. That, that one was all about pleasure and eating chocolate and, <laughs> and having fun. So that, that, was, that was a breeze. It's easy peasy, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I absolutely love Pirates of Dark Water. I don't know how much involvement you had, but it, it looked like you had a lot of um, involvement as additional voices. And that's one I would love to see like a reboot of. Uh, like how involved were you with that show? I don't know why they call it additional voices. They were they were basically guest stars. You, I, I did several episodes. I don't remember how many. But the thing that I remember about Pirates of Dark Water was the cast, the actors. I mean, you had you had some serious acting chops in that uh, animated series. Mm -hmm. I can't remember who they, but but I remember then. It's like these are all you know big name actors. I don't mean like you know um, Rock Hudson or you know Paul Newman, but I mean these are really there's some big names in there. <laughs> yeah, substantial actors. Um. I'm trying to, I should have pulled up my IMDb. Uh, I mean, you've got, you've got Hector Alonso and Tim Curry, Peter Cullen, yeah. Jim Cummings. Those are some big names. Yeah. I think Alan Oppenheimer was involved in that one too. I'm not mm -hmm. sure, but I mean, it, 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 it was, and it was some serious stuff too. It wasn't Good like, names. you know, silly. Um, it, it wasn't Yogi Bear. Right. There was more. Right. There was more yeah. to it. It was an intelligent show, mm -hmm. um, and it was fun to do. 
that's that's wish I could give you more. Oh, that's I all right. Mix stuff up if you like. <laughs> well, you know that works too. But no, that's a, that's a a cool show to be involved with for sure. Um, you know, moving on to Incredibles two though, I got to ask you a question about that. So, yeah. Incredible two, your character says the name is Reflux, medical condition or superpower, you decide. And I love that the writers made a character with acid reflux a superhero, uh, which just kind of makes <laughs> makes me laugh because I have never seen my acid reflux as a superpower yet. Um, maybe I'm just looking at it wrong. <laughs> but it also must make me think that there are other everyday conditions that could be turned into a superpower. So if you think about it, what's an everyday condition that you think would make a great tier two hero like <clears throat> reflux? Oh, well. Uh, <laughs> oh, I've done a few of them. Uh, uh, sneezing. Okay. Uh, and I did that in uh, the... Uh, oh, God. What, uh, I played No Zone in the Toxic Crusaders. Oh, yeah. Okay. And my power, No Zone's power... Okay, I got to make a funny face because that's the only way I can do it. No Zone talks like this because he... <laughs> Uh, Nozone was a a test pilot who <laughs> flew through a hole in the ozone and fell it crashed into a vat of radioactive pepper. <laughs> it, it could happen. And he became fused with one leg was part of his airplane wheel and his superpower was sneezing. And <laughs> so I had to do all that. And I can't do it now because I'll spit all over my screen. Uh, and I'm not kidding you. We had to wipe off my script. Uh, we are super, no, we, we, we are hideously deformed creatures of superhuman size and strength. We had to say that twice. It had to be said twice in every episode. Oh, that's um, fantastic. So there's that one. And then there's, oh, what's the guy in... Uh, Mystery Man, his superpower was, uh, was oh, how do I put this nicely? Uh, excreting air from. Uh, oh, oh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, flatulence Man. Flatulence Man, yeah, right. I think it's, uh, I'm sure that's not the right name, but. But, but you, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there's sneezing in the. Yeah. Call him the spleen. That's what it was. The I was spleen. just getting to it. Yeah, well done. And uh, for it, when I auditioned, I auditioned right here in my booth uh, for um, Incredibles 2. And when I did the audition, um, name's Reflux, medical conditioner, superpower, you be the judge. <laughs> um, <laughs> when, I, when I did that, I also, they also wanted me to do the the and then vomit. Oh, and I did it several times. <laughs> and I came out of the booth, out of my had my door shut and everything. Came out of the booth, and my wife said, "Are you okay? Everything okay?" Be sure that no, baby, it was just an audition. It's so, everything's fine. <laughs> I hadn't even thought you know, about that. Is, 
that's some serious acting, though. If you can, if you had her convinced that there was something wrong, that's, hey, <laughs> that's impressive. It was just very funny. Oh, oh, that's great. Goodness. So there haven't been any great movies made based on video games yet. Metal Gear seems like it could be the one. Like that would be good. I feel like that could actually hypothetically work as a live action movie. And some people on the internet have speculated that Brian Cranston could pull off the role of Colonel Campbell. Do you think that could work? Or is that a role that you'd actually like for yourself? Oh, I would never get cast. I would never get cast. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it, listen, between my, me and Brian Cranston, uh, <laughs> I think I'd go with Brian Cranston. I mean, the guy, <laughs> number one, I hate that son of a gun because I love everything he does. I know. <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't failed me yet. I mean, no, he's highly talented. Uh, I uh, I would watch it in a heartbeat. Um, it, it would be nice if they threw somebody who was in the original a bone, uh, either a voiceover or something, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, sure. Some type of homage. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, I've, I've spoken several times uh, online through Twitter with Vote Roberts who is so crazy about doing it. He knows the game so well. Mm -hmm. um, I just worry that they they keep waiting so long. I actually think, it, how should I put this? They've got to, they better do it. And, uh, and it can't be just one movie. Right. I mean, what part of it do you, do you pick? No, that could be a massive series of movies. Yeah. Look, if, if um, Fast and Furious can get nine movies, you guys should be at least two. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> and someone said, you know, what they sh uh, what they should have done is simultaneously or or right now start um, doing a, a an animated uh, just to wet people's appetites. Mm -hmm. You know, sure. Metal Gear. Um, it would have to be done really well and classy and everything. And if they did anything like that, I might have a chance to do a voice in it. That would be um, cool. Actually, a yeah. CGI version of, of of Metal Gear could take off very well. Yeah. I mean, with today's technology, the ability to properly do CG, CGI, you know, the way that we've seen it done in the last few years, why not? Abs yeah, I absolutely. I agree. But I think that uh, Sony, they're, they're afraid, or whoever's going to make it, they're afraid that it would dilute. I, I think they're absolutely wrong, but that's just one man's opinion. And what the heck do I know? Uh, yeah, but that that's the game still has such an incredible following. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I'm I'm amazed uh, of my the cameos that I do. Probably two thirds are Metal Gear Solid. Uh, oh wow! Okay, you know, that's cool. Very respectable fan base, and they just you know it's still there. You know. Anyway, no, I <laughs> I love I the game. Oh yeah. yeah, absolutely understood. So we have a Facebook page with over one hundred thirty thousand followers, and basically. It is just filled with memes, and a me it's memes of this thing crossed with this thing, and that's what creates the funny. So 
what two characters from either a show you did or a video game that you've done would you like to see brought together to become their own game or show? Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Ooh. I'm thinking funny here as opposed to serious. Uh, well, it's got to be no zone in something. Uh, <laughs> You're speaking my language. Yeah, no zone in Campbell, I think, would be, be fun. Uh, no zone in two perceptor, and perceptor might be two on the nose. Uh, so to speak, uh, I was thinking no zone and reflux together as a as a oh. uh, dynamic duo. Ooh, <laughs> the medical men, or right? Or a two headed hero, right? Ooh, <laughs> that could be kind of fun with them together. I can't. One can't eat spicy tacos; the other one sneezes all the time. Right. So. <laughs> oh wait, the the no zone. Uh, I was going to say, and then the tacos could come out of his nose. <laughs> the no zone toy, the no zone, that's another cool thing. When you have a toy, when you're a toy, it's like, yeah, baby, I'm a toy. Uh, <laughs> but what the, the no zone toy came with green goop, and there was a hole in the back of his head, and you could squeeze the goop, and the, and the stuff would come out of no zone's nose. Oh, wow. I have classy toys. <laughs> you have the type of toys that I would want to play with. Let's put it that way. Uh, the type of toys that my mom would look at and be like, e no. Yeah, yeah, no, I don't think so. <laughs> or I am 12 and immensely amused by boogers and fart jokes. So. Duh, isn't everybody? <laughs> Duh. <laughs> I have a, a soon-to-be three-year-old. Farts are just hilarious at this point. Pretty much. Any, Always any have of, been. No, exactly. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. They just get better now. Exactly. My grandmother. Tell my wife that, but yeah, still. Um, my grandmother, when uh, if somebody cut one, she would run to the kitchen. This is my grandmother. She was in her late <laughs> 70s. She would run to the kitchen and grab a knife and go up behind somebody and say, I said, what's, what's going on? She said, well, I'm trying to stab it before it smells. <laughs> no, I'm trying to kill it before it spreads. That's what it is. Oh, nice. It's like, Grandma. <laughs> Here I was thinking she was gonna say something about it. she was cutting the cheese now or something. I yeah, but okay. No, no, no. no she's that gonna was... she's gonna kill it before it spreads. Yeah, kill it before it spreads. I like that. Oh goodness. All right, Paul. We're at a point in our show where we like to play a little quiz game with our with our guests. Oh god. It's a, it's a five question <laughs> quiz. All the questions are multiple choice. Okay, so we'll give you a fighting chance here. Now this is a quiz based on the wonderful works of a man named Paul Eiding. So. Congratulations. <laughs> you, you, you've made it to a quiz. Now, if you get out of the five questions, if you get three of them correct, we want to send you one of these handy dandy I gave to the Red Shirt Widows and Orphans coffee mugs. Okay. Cool. If you get four questions correct, we're going to send you that coffee mug along with this book called Custodians of the Cosmos, written by our, our page founder, Drayton Allen. It's all about a young man who wanted to join Starfleet. He washed out. So instead, he rejoined as a custodian, and now he boldly cleans up after those who boldly just went. So, uh, cool. and uh, we'll make sure that uh, if you get to get to the book level, we'll make sure that uh, Drayton put some calligraphy in the front of it for you before we send it off. Okay. Oh God! Now, now the pressure's really on. If, however, 
you <laughs> fail to hit the 30% mark, if you know, the 60% mark, three out of five questions. If you get less than three questions correct, we take your picture, we make a meme out of you based on one of your characters, and we base it, place it into our our funny science fiction uh, Facebook group. Do you agree yeah. to those terms? As a loser. As, uh, as, as a loser, but yet still kind of a winner. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm All in. right. All right. Very good. Nick, take us away. The 1986 Transformers film is considered a bridge between the second and third seasons of the TV show because A, several characters were killed or altered, B, it's between seasons two and three, or C, it's just an industry term. <laughs> um, if it's considered a Brit, well, uh, <coughs> uh, the question was again it's considered a bridge between two and three right seasons two and three of the tv show because because several were killed and some someone you know okay the second one was uh it's between seasons two and three mm -hmm. or because it's just an industry term uh all uh, all of the above uh actually <laughs> to be honest <laughs> um Technically, he's right, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, according to IMDb, the actual what they said the answer is is, is a that several characters were killed or altered. Yeah. But it's also and between, I lived. You did live. Your yeah. character lived. Perceptor lives. Uh, but it was between seasons two and three, and it's an industry term for bridging two seasons. Anyway, okay, but yeah, so you get that right. Totally get that right. All right, number two. The 1986 Transformers movie is set how many years after the end of season two of the TV show? A, one, B, 10, or C, 20? Oh my gosh, isn't that terrible? I don't. War is playing I have no idea. Um, uh, I'm a, a wild guess. Ten. No. What if you doubled? What if you doubled that? Uh, <laughs> now you're making him do math. Oh my goodness! Come on, Tim. You're just being mean to our guests. Well, I am. Today. I am perceptor. Perceptor <laughs> can do math. Um, hmm. Cursory uh, evaluation of said question indicates. Oh. The answer would be 20. That is correct. There you go. <laughs> there you got two. So you're on your own from here, Paul. Oh, God. <laughs> Tim's done cheating now. <laughs> your turn, Nick. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Frank from Monsters, Inc. has how many eyes? Is it four, two, or one? One. That is Wait, correct. That is correct. You didn't even think about that one. All right. That was me. That was you. Yeah. <laughs> I love that I got, I'll keep an eye out for you. There you go. <laughs> All right. Question number four. Roy Campbell was a former U.S. Army colonel in command of a special forces group called A, Foxhounds, B, Hellhounds, or C, Wolfhounds? Foxhound. Correct. And I, I would know. be just ashamed if you got that one wrong. Yeah, so would I. 
<laughs> it's like right there. <laughs> well, sir, you are four for four. That gets you the book. So as we like to say, this next question is just for funsies. Max Tennyson from Ben 10 was Magistar rank in the IT squad, plumbers, or governor's office? Um, ben, the plumbers. Exactly. Excellent. Five for five. Hey, you know a lot about oh, this guy, I was Paul four for five. Come on. I don't want to cheat. Even at, okay, yeah. even at four for five, you still get the book, you get the coffee Yay. mug, and we'll make sure that that we we get some uh, some writing put in the front of it for you. And okay? you escape meme land. You have escaped meme land. <laughs> you can add me if you like. I, I, I'm, I'm... <laughs> well. With that being said, where's my I'm phone? I'm done with it. It's happened before. Yeah. Although, if you had lost and gotten to meme land, you would be in very very good company. Dan Pavenmeyer is in meme land. The co-creator of Phineas and Ferb. Cool. Well, Paul, thank you so much for being on the show today. Where can listeners go to find out more about you and your works? Uh, oh, geez. I'm on Facebook. Uh, it's Paul Lighting. Look for my name. Uh, I'm on Twitter. It's uh, for Paul Lighting. I'm also uh, uh, Instagram or my uh, fan page, which I'm really horrible at keeping up. <laughs> put together by by a fan is uh, oh uh, is Paul Lighting. Uh, I think it's paullighting.com. Okay. And my uh, and my page is paul lighting.com. <laughs> um, one thing I want you every, everybody to look out for. I did a movie, a short film. Yeah, please. That I'm that I'm so extremely proud of. It's making the it's going to be making the circuit the festival circuit uh and it's an homage to the um the guys who worked the muppets over the years Ooh. oh neat uh, and it's um it's one of the things that i'm most proud of and i did it during the um pandemic so my beard is out to here um and they w wanted to really be big so it grew and grew and grew but it's called uh frank and emmett and it's just me and uh, a puppet um, frank and emmett okay frank and emmett yeah watch for that because absolutely uh, i'm really proud of it it's, it's only 12 minutes long but it's just mm -hmm. written and directed by the head of animation at um dreamworks but oh. it's live action okay yeah. awesome. cool Anything Muppets, and we are we are game. It's it's uh, yeah, it's a beautiful piece. I promise, I promise it'll make you cry. Ooh. Okay. Oh man, Muppets make me cry. Goodness. Yeah. It'll you know, you we are gonna make sure that we have all of your social media in our links, and we will also make sure that we put the movie in the link too. We will figure out how to get that word out there for you. All right. So, want to remind you guys that subscribing is the single most important thing that you can do to ensure that we get more amazing guests and stories for you to listen to like Paul Eiding here. And this has been a fantastic chat with Paul. And so please subscribe. It's going to help more than I, we can ever really tell you. And you're going to want to make sure that you check out Paul's catalog of work as well. There are so many things that are on his IMDb list that we didn't even get to mention today uh, in our, in our time with him that you're going to be just amazed that he's been a part of. And as a reminder, if you're not happy with the content of our videos, all you have to do is submit, in single form to the Autobots. Perceptor, in fact, one of Optimus Prime's trusted officers. 
And once Perceptor is done delivering the eulogy of Optimus Prime. Ah, too soon. Yeah, probably. I fear, I fear the wounds. <laughs> Fatal. He will handle your complaints in the order in which he perceives them to be important. Thanks again, Paul. We truly appreciated having you today. It's been my fun. A lot of fun, folks. Awesome. All right. Goodbye, everyone, and thanks for watching. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Our show is brought to you by our charity sponsor, the Red Shirt Widows and Orphans Fund, which supports the Wish Upon a Teen Foundation that helps out sick kids when they need it most. And just imagine the comfort you'll give Red Shirt Crewman number 58. You'll know that when he puts on the red shirt, chooses to fight alongside the Incredibles, only to be sneezed on, he will be able to know that he didn't leave his family destitute and without hope. Because the Red Shirt Widows and Orphans Fund has his back and what's left of his handkerchief. And speaking of sponsors and show partners, check out this short video from our good friends over at Level Up Lightsabers. Information about Level Up Lightsabers and their online training sessions can be found in the episode description below. On behalf of the rest of the hosts of Funny Science Fiction, we'd like to thank you for listening to this episode. If you'd like to be a guest on one of our future episodes, please contact us by means of our Facebook group, Funny Science Fiction. You can find us on Twitter or Instagram using the handle at Funny Sci-Fi, or you can go to DraytonAllen.com and click the Contact Me link at the bottom of the page. Thanks again. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Copyright 2020 by Drake Nallen. Original music by Jordan Michaels. Reference to any specific product or entity mentioned in this podcast does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation of or by funny science fiction or its sponsors. The views expressed by guests are their own and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. If you have questions about this disclaimer, please contact us via email at DrakeNallen at DrakeNallen.com.